It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Gavin Hamilton's Euro Road Trip. This episode. Group B, Russia. Today, we're heading all the way to Moscow to talk to my old friend, Boris Bogdanov, about the Russian national team. Boris is the football editor of Sportbox.ru, a leading Russian sports website. I know him from his time as a jury member of UEFA's Best Player Award, and he's one of Russia's most respected football journalists. Now, the spotlight has been off Russia for a couple of years since they hosted the 2018 World Cup, but they're still a fascinating football country with a huge sporting heritage. And they're one of those teams that don't get a lot of coverage ahead of major tournaments. They're generally not seen as good travellers, and that's been the case in, in recent Euro tournaments. But what's intriguing about this competition is that Russia will be playing their opening two Euro games in St. Petersburg, and the Russian authorities are pretty confident that stadiums in St. Petersburg will be at least 50% full of home fans. So Russia will have the same sort of home advantage that they enjoyed at the World Cup three years ago when they you know, exceeded expectations and only went out on penalties to eventual finalists Croatia in the quarterfinals. So Boris is in a very good position to assess how this team has developed over the last three years since the 2018 World Cup. So grab a glass of vodka, couldn't be anything else, but if you don't fancy that, black tea with lemon, stick in your headphones and find out all about Russia with Boris Bogdanov. So Boris, Russia qualified for the Euros in pretty good style, winning seven successive matches after losing the opening game to Belgium. But there have been some mixed results in the Nations League recently. Victories over Hungary and Serbia back in September, but a 5-0 defeat to Serbia in the final game mm-hmm. of 2020. So what's the feeling about the Russia team at the moment with you and, and people in Moscow? Well, uh, for- it's difficult to say, but I, I would say uh, we are not very optimistic about uh, the Euro because of the last games, as you mentioned it, they were very, very bad, very poor. The team did, didn't play well and uh, they deserved what they got. So let's see what happens next. But so far, it's rather pessimistic than optimistic, I would say. Also because, also because the very poor uh, performance of our clubs in the European uh, club tournaments this year. 
this season, both in the Champions League and the Europa League. All our clubs managed to win one game altogether. That's not a very good result. And also, the, they showed they were much, much inferior to the best European teams. So, so this adds to, to our pessimism. It's interesting that you talk about being pessimistic because after the World Cup, in 2018 it was a good result in the world cup at a strong performance were people expecting more from the team after the world cup i think yes people did expect more because because well it's been a long time since russia since russia managed to get so far in the world cups russia did never even if you take the soviet union times so of course it was a Everybody uh, felt very optimistic and very emotional about it. Even people who normally don't watch football and uh, are not interested in football at all. In uh, 2018, uh, these days, they supported the team and uh, football was a trend uh, in the society. So everybody, of course, expected uh, something good to follow. And uh, at the beginning, it was uh, really quite good but then something went wrong uh, and uh, Russia will return to the usual uh, place I would say right Churchishov Stanislav Churchishov is still the coach but he's made quite a few changes since the World Cup the team that beat Mm -hmm. Scotland in September 2019 just towards the end of the qualifying campaign a pretty crucial victory that only had four players in the starting team from the World Cup quarterfinal so he's made a lot of changes mm-hmm. he's brought back players who missed the world cup defender gorgi Tsitskia. there have been retirements so again the defender retired most importantly mm-hmm. akin fiev has retired there's been quite a lot of change hasn't there so of course but uh, uh, these changes are natural because uh, akin fiev i would i wouldn't say he's old he's 30s and something but he's tired of course he's really tired of playing both in CSK Moscow and uh, the national team uh, all the time well he he's got a lot of injuries so so he decided to dedicate himself to the club it was his decision uh, well Ignashevich he had retired from the national team even before the, uh, the yeah. World Cup but he returned to the team and immediately after he stopped playing now he's a coach and Jikia returned because during the World Cup he was injured. He would have played at the World Cup if not for his injury. So now, now, now he plays all the time. Some young players appeared, yes, like uh, Miranchuk, for example, or Golovin. Yeah. They took more, more, more prominent position in the team. It's it's a natural process, of course. Uh, it, it happens everywhere. So it wasn't just because Chechesov didn't like. A guy or like like another guy and how is church viewed by the media is he an easy guy to talk to is he available for interviews and is there still a goodwill towards him because of what happened at the world cup you know well i wouldn't say that Chechesov is uh, very popular among journalists because he speaks yes he speaks he does speak he can be contacted he gives interviews sometimes he's always very sure of himself sometimes even seems a bit arrogant he doesn't like he doesn't like sharp questions so he can react quite angrily and i wouldn't say he's a person which is very good for for journalists unlike for example if we take previous national team coaches unlike say Gus Hiding who was our favorite <laughs> uh, well no 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 Chichesov is different i wouldn't say he's he's very 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 popular really no in recent years there've been quite a few naturalized foreign players in the squad there have been some German-born players in, in the team. There's now Mario Fernandez, who's one of the best players in the Russian league, the right back. 
and the goalkeeper as well, Guillaume. Is there still discussion about naturalising foreign players? I mean, is there a debate about how or whether Russia should be producing more more young players themselves, or is it, is it just a it's just something that, that they're taking advantage of? The discussion still goes on, of course, because because many people think that uh, in general naturalisation is not a good solution for all the problems because the national team should be a reflection of the state of football in in a country. So if we take a player from Brazil who was brought up in Brazil, who is not the product of our football system, he can play well, he can he can score goals and so on and win games for us, but he's not Russian, so it doesn't reflect really the strength of uh, the national football. But other people say, okay, if we don't have enough players, why don't we hire some some Brazilian? And Omar Fernandez has been living here for, for many years already, about eight or nine years. So everybody considers him almost Russian, so everybody likes him. But still, yes, you're right. Well, many people are against it. Not because of some xenophobia, not because they don't like Brazilians or Germans, but they want the national team be really national. I'd like to talk a little bit more about some of the tactical options open to the coach. But first, let's take a quick break. Back talking with Boris about Russia. Mm -hmm. Chertyshev has really stuck with the same formation, hasn't he, in recent Mm -hmm. times. The back four and then a, a sort of solid midfield with two wingers and then the captain, Artem Zuba, as the lone striker. Is that how you would see Russia lining up typically in a sort of 4-2-3-1 formation? Tactically, well, in some games it, it works, in some some games it doesn't. But the problem is, he, he says he had he has a plan B, but sometimes we feel he, he doesn't because without Zuba, for example, the, the team stops scoring goals because... They cannot change the the tactics and play with uh, with different uh, strikers. Uh, also because the we don't have many 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 good strikers in Russia. And still, the the only tactic they have in attack is playing with one big guy like Zuba. So he's fine when he's fit. They know what what to do. But uh, if he's out, they stop playing because they don't know what to do next. This is a problem. And it was a problem in, in November, wasn't it? That game against Serbia, we mentioned, the, the big defeat. Zuba was missing for various yeah. reasons that none of the alternatives seems to have impressed at all. Sobolev, Shalov, Zabalotny, mm-hmm. none, of, none of them seem to have the same effect as, as Zuba. And Zuba's yes. also, is he also an important personality for the squad as the captain? Uh, and he's, yes. he's a very popular player as well, isn't he? Was he voted the Footballer of the Year? He has that mm-hmm. strong effect on the squad as well, yeah? Yes, sure. He's a ca- the captain. He's one of the leaders. And also, you know, you mentioned Zabalotti, for example, the guy who is comparable to, to Zuba by his characteristics. But the problem with Zabalotti, he doesn't score. He scores very seldom in his club. I don't know why. Maybe he just lacks quality for, for this. Sobolev from Spartak, also a big guy. That's why Chachesov takes him. But he doesn't play all the games in Spartak. He's a rotation player. When Chalov is quite different, it's quite another type of striker. He plays in CSKA, which plays a different football. Short, quick passes, uh, most mostly on earth and not in the air. And uh, so, so Chalov in the national team, he just seems a bit lost. That's the problem, as I mentioned. We have Zuba, and we don't have Plan B or Plan C. And Zuba is not is not young anymore. He's 32, and uh, a couple of years more, and he will be out. And ironically, for Churchisov, who's a former goalkeeper, 
I mean, we always think of of Russia producing great goalkeepers, you know, the, the country of Lev Yashin. But the goalkeeper is a proper position at the moment, isn't it? After Akin Fiev's retirement, mm-hmm. there's a Brazilian, I mentioned, uh, Grilo mm-hmm. May, Lunev, Andre Lunev has played, but not been entirely convincing. What's the situation with the goalkeeper? For many years, the goalkeeper position was the only one in the national team, which everybody was absolutely sure of. Akin Fiev, and that's all. Now, when Akinfeyev is out, there are a few goalkeepers cannot uh, say that one of them is uh, really number one. Guilherme, uh, yes, Joseph likes him and he played a lot of games under Chelsea, but he's not young anymore and he's not very, very reliable anymore. He sometimes he concedes very stupid goals and uh, sometimes he's too nervous, uh, which is bad for, for the goalkeeper. There are a couple of Young keepers like Safonov from Krasnodar FC and uh, Matvienko from Spartak Moscow, both are very promising and very good. And uh, the public is pressing Cherchesov to to take one of them or both. But he says that so far, so far they had they have to play for the under-21 team, which is also playing their own Euro this year. And then we shall see. But probably, probably one of them should take the place of second player. I don't know where, where, where this happens. You mentioned the under-21s. There's a young centre-back, Igor Deviev, who's very promising and very highly rated. Mm-hmm. He could play in the mm-hmm. under-21s as well. But there's a lot of talk that he should be yes. in, in the defence, in the centre defence, because it's not a young defence anymore. The best option at mm-hmm. left-back is, is Yuri Zhirkov, who's now, I think, mm-hmm. 37. So there needs to be a bit of a shake-up in the defence. Yeah. Is that right? Well, Zhirkov is he, he kind of an iron man, I would say, because at his 37, he still is capable of running nine, for 90 minutes without getting tired. So I don't know why probably she, he, he, he works a lot, but he's still one of the best, if not the best, at uh, this uh, position. I mean, the left side uh, def- defender. So I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't see many young players who can replace him. So probably he will play for a while yet. As, as for Divev, Cherchesov once tried him last year. I don't remember the game, but the game wasn't good. And, and, and Divev made a couple of mistakes, maybe because he was nervous getting for the first time in the national team. But still in CSKA Moscow, yeah, he, he plays quite well. And he's also one of the leaders in the under-21 team. I think he can become the next Berzutsky or next, uh, next uh, Ignashevich. Uh, He's still very young. He's still very young, but already quite uh, reliable central defender and uh, he will grow up. And what about in midfield? Who are the key players in midfield? Because you have Ozdoyev and Zobnin as the sort of defensive hard workers Mm. in the centre. And then the creativity comes from Golovin, Cherishov, Alexei Miranchik. Yeah, sure. To my point of view, the, the top midfielder is Golovin today. Strangely, we have only three players now in the European top five leagues, Miranchuk and uh, now Kokorin in Italy and Golovin in France. And of the three, uh, so far, only Golovin can be considered as one of Monaco's top players. He always plays. He's a guy which is always there and he does a lot of good things for, for Monaco. So I think he's the best midfielder today and the most creative. As for Miranchuk, he's very good. He has a lot of talent, but the problem is in Atalanta, he doesn't play much. I don't know why, just a few minutes every time. And he manages to score goals, even in this 
little period he's uh, getting from the coach. But he's good. He he, he can. I, I know for Chichas of the problem is maybe to combine Golovin and Miranchuk because they are both creative midfielders. So he should find a place for both of them, which is not maybe easy because uh, everyone wants to be to be the, the leader. He wants to be the playmaker. Too many creative players is not is not good either, you know. But it's up to to Chichasov to, to use them. Are there any players that we should look out for? Any players that you think should be in the squad that have not been called up yet? Is there a surprise player that's going to come through? Oof. I don't know. You know, the problem is, is the problem in Russia is we don't have uh, many good players. Uh, the problem is the Chechesov doesn't have uh, many players to choose from. Probably because the football schools, football academies are not working properly. Maybe the transition from the youth football to the to the professional football doesn't work properly. A lot of problems, you know. So so I really cannot see uh, any players which are good enough to play in the national team and which are left behind so far. Okay. Chesov tries to tries everybody. So maybe some some guys from the under twenty one team will join the main team in the nearest future because so far they are performing quite well. But you know that it's not always the case when a young player growing up still plays like he did before. Sometimes getting older, they are not getting better. I'd like to talk about some wider issues in, in the Russian league. But first, let's take another quick break. Back talking with Boris. Since the yeah. World Cup, Boris, the national side have gone on the road playing games at some of the stadiums around the country, the stadiums that were built for the World Cup or, or rebuilt for the World Cup in Rostov mm-hmm. and Kaliningrad and Sochi and Nitschi, Novgorod, mm-hmm. uh, Saransk, as well as um, St. Petersburg mm-hmm. and Moscow with the, you know, the, the traditional stadiums. What's been the thinking about that? Is that because they want to make use of these stadiums that are not being used at club level? Yes, I think it was a decision of the Football Federation. First, because they want to take the... They say that, well, it's the national team which so so the nation should 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 see see them. They shouldn't be just playing all all the time in Moscow, but they should go to, to other places because their people also want to see the national team. And also, I think because they want to use the stadiums, of course, big stadiums which are not always used properly because there are no no local clubs which are capable to attract a lot of uh, supporters, you know, a lot a lot of public. And also because because in the provincial in provincial cities, people probably would come in bigger number to the stadium to support the team because in in moscow well it's the capital where people are spoiled they have too many too many things to see too many things to do and sometimes the stadium is not is not full but in a city like nizhny novgorod for example well the national team comes once in a few years so it will certainly attract more more, more attention. That's that's other reasons side. And and is it is it fair to say there's still a fair bit of money in the Russian league? Clubs are still able to attract foreign talent. Quite a few teams from mm. the Euros have got players in Russia. Alex Kral of the the Czech Republic at Spartak. Mm. You've got the Croatian mm. midfielder Nikola Vlasic at CSK. How is the financial state of the Russian league at the moment? Well, financially, financially, it's it's not as good as it used to be when uh, the oil was more expensive. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when when the whole economy is is not passing uh, very good times now, so football is no is no exception because because the oil money is not coming 
like it used to, to count. So clubs now have to count money, even they need spark back. So it, it's worse, of course. Now it's difficult to find. I don't think that Russian clubs can bring in people like like Hulk in Zenit or Axel Witzel or Malcolm and other players. If we take Vlasic, he's a young Croatian player, so he's not as expensive. You know, well, I don't remember they paid for him about 15 or 17 million euro, which is a lot of money for Russia. But it's not not a lot of money for Europe, you know. But I think uh, many clubs are trying now to find young, not very expensive talents, more and more turning to another kind of policies, bringing young players, well, bringing them up and then reselling them for, for more money, like the Dutch clubs. But still, still, of course, many, many clubs prefer to spend money and bring, you know, players who, who are ready to play, not for the future, but right now. Well, but in general, as a, the whole economy, football is is living in difficult times. You talk, you mentioned uh, Golovin at Monaco and Miranchuk, Alexei Miranchuk at Atalanta. There are examples of players who who mm-hmm. who've moved abroad. I mean, Golovin in particular has has improved as a player at Monaco, although he's he's been injured recently. He's a rare example of a Russian player who's gone abroad because most Russian players are quite happy to stay in Russia with money and then take the money there. Why have Russian players not moved abroad in the past? Well, you know, uh, there were different periods regarding this subject. In the 90s, when the the Soviet Union just collapsed and uh, the country opened for for the world, many players went to Spain or to Italy or any foreign countries because there was no money here and they were ready to play anywhere just to, to earn something. And there was a big demand for them because they were quite good players, like remind Mostovoy or Kanchelski, Karpin, and other guys who played in good European clubs. Then, when the Russian clubs became quite well, the players were not interested anymore in going abroad because they couldn't go to 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 really big European clubs like like Manchester United or. Liverpool, just to, to smaller clubs, which, which couldn't pay them as uh, as much as uh, Russian clubs do. So they were not interested. But now we have another generation which grew up, the likes of Miranchuk or Golovin, who are ready even to lose some money, but to discover the world and to try themselves in a new, new setting, in, in another league, to try to play another football. And to try, and probably Golovin, I don't know, Probably he thinks that after Monaco, if he does well, he can go in some bigger club, maybe to Spain, maybe to England, maybe to Paris Saint-Germain, I don't know. So there, this is a generation which, which are still interested in money, of course, but also in other things. I think the more players like them we have, the better for football, because they will gain new experience playing in Italy, Spain, or somewhere else. And, uh, well, it, 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 it's a good thing for football to, to exchange to exchange players between countries, I think. Sure. So, uh, at some stage, we didn't have uh, any players abroad at all. Recently, Russia lost an appeal to CAS, the Court of Arbitration for Sport, over the, the doping ban to do yeah. the Olympics. It means that Russia won't be allowed to compete at the World Cup under the, the flag of Russia, but they, the team can still compete. Is that a problem at all? Are people talking about it? Or is football just going to get on and carry on uh, regardless? 
Well, first of all, to think about this problem, we must first qualify to the World Cup. So if we do, if we do, then uh, of course, well, then we shall we shall invent some some name for the team, like uh, you know, independent football team or football team of Russia, a group of Russian players. I don't know what, and uh, invent some song to be performed instead of the anthem. But I, I would I, I can't say that people are talking really much about it because it's it's still too far. Yeah, some people say we shouldn't go there because it's an offense for us. But most most people say okay, if we want to play at the World Cup, these are the rules. We should we should uh, follow the rules. So if our athletes used used some some doping, uh, so we are punished for this. We we must obey. Which is normal, to my point of view, it's it's absolutely absolutely normal situation. And we have already the, this experience at last Winter Olympics. Uh, our ice hockey team uh, performed without anthem or flag, and they won the, the games. So it's it's it doesn't matter really really much. No, sure. And just finally, looking ahead to the Euros in the summer, what's your prediction for Russia? In a reasonable group with Denmark and, and Finland, it's a, a reasonable group, you'd say, uh, with Belgium as well as the favourites in the group. Well, um, I, I'm sure Russia will not qualify from the group from the first place because I think the Belgium will get it. I think Russia will compete for the second place with, with Denmark. And I, if I'm not mistaken, this time, even uh, the third team from a group can, can qualify yeah. for, for the playoffs. So it gives us more more chances. Maybe maybe we we, we shall we shall qualify for the, the last sixteen, but we'll not go very far, I think. Boris, it's always good to talk to you. I hope we can meet up again in person soon, either mm. in, in Moscow or in London if you visit London. And thanks so much for your time. You're welcome, welcome. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you liked it. And you want to find out more, there's a new podcast with a different journalist from every single country competing in this summer's European Championship. You can find them all wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and follow this show so you know whenever I release a new episode. And you can find out more great sports podcasts on the Sports Social Podcast Network. Just head to sport-social.co.uk. Gavin Hamilton's Euro Road Trip. Follow and subscribe now so you never miss an episode. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.